Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. That is the sound of civil disobedience which has begun because of the oppressive draconian measures that some uh, state governments are putting on their people, not being able to work, make a living, and we are now entering into week five of the coronavirus shutdown. That is from Lansing, Michigan. That is Operation Gridlock this afternoon. And, of course, that made major news. But there have been protests at the Ohio State House and protests that are taking place across the country now as we are entering into some regions of the country into the fifth week of a shutdown that's having a disastrous effect for individuals, families, and businesses in our communities uh, because of the coronavirus. But it's hitting people where they live in their pocketbooks in their livelihoods, their ability to basically live. And folks, we actually do have a problem on our hands. We're going to talk about it on this segment of News and Focus. That was uh, Governor Whitmer, the Democratic governor of Michigan, has actually had some more oppressive draconian measures in the state of Michigan, stay-at-home measures, people not being able to work, and that was Operation Gridlock today as thousands descended upon their state capital in Michigan and Lansing to basically express peacefully, so far, thankfully, their uh, protest to those measures and saying we need to get back to work. And we're going to hear about that as Ohio businesses are suffering terribly. In fact, there's a very uh, disturbing report. Let's go to that now. And this is from ABC News Channel 6 out of Columbus. Tom, a state senator, wants to reopen the state in regions. Today, hotels, restaurants, and salon owners told the Economic Recovery Task Force if that doesn't happen, some may never bounce back. And they painted their bleak picture for our Tara Morgan. Many of our operators uh, have sold, and we've talked to hundreds of them, are significantly concerned about their survival. Ohio Restaurant Association's John Barker painted a bleak picture with new industry numbers. 51% of all restaurants in Ohio are closed. 11% have indicated they wouldn't reopen. When we reopen Ohio, restaurants, hotels, businesses like that will not bounce back. In fact, many of our, um, our operators are already predicting that they'll only come back to around 40 to 50% of their previous sales level. The Ohio Hotel Association pointed out it's serving essential employees at discounted rates in this COVID-19 crisis. Many hotels have been struggling to keep the doors open to be part of that response infrastructure. But Joe Savary says eight out of 10 hotel rooms are empty in Ohio. Cancellation of events and business and reservation is cascading through the system every day and it is well into calendar year 2020. The Ohio Economic Recovery Task Force is checking the pulse on the industries and looking for guidance on opening back up. That is a report from ABC6 out of Columbus from just the other day. And of course, uh, Speaker Larry Householder has put together an economic task force with about 20 members from the Ohio House 
The Ohio General Assembly, since the shutdown, has not been able to convene except for an emergency session of resetting the date for Ohio's primary. And by the way, it is a mail-in ballot-only primary, the first in our history as a state uh, since our establishment um, and since 1803. And folks, these are unprecedented times, but some are now beginning to question some of the philosophy behind these measures, are they really helping or are they doing more harm than good? There is a report out of Mansfield, Ohio, where uh, State Representative Mark Romachuk, and there are voices in the legislature starting to speak up. State Senator Steve Huffman uh, has written a letter. Uh, also, State Representative Todd Smith, who was on this program a few weeks ago, uh, wrote a letter to the governor expressing his concerns representing his district and the businesses and family-owned businesses in his district. State Representative Mark Romachuk told me on the phone today of a terrible, uh, heart-breaking story of a local barber who is basically broke. He opened up his store to conduct business. The health department shut it down. He opened it up again. Uh, and the police came and arrested him. The man's wife is dying of cancer. He needs the money. He is out of money. These are heartbreaking stories, and the state representative said, that's enough, that's ridiculous, because they have tried to file charges against this man just trying to make a living. With me on the phone is State Senator Andy Brenner from uh, the Delaware County area, and he has been an outspoken uh, voice on this in recent days. So voices are beginning to rise in the Ohio General Assembly, and we're thankful for it. State Senator uh, Brenner, thank you for coming on the program. Uh, thank you for inviting me on, and that is a just tragic story there in Mansfield. Nobody should be arrested, let alone somebody who's trying to have their business so that they can have money to pay for their 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 wife's cancer treatment. I mean, that's just that's appalling. And and so you know, Senator, it really just um, it makes you tear up when you think about it. The real time tragedy that's happening with people across the state. We got a report from Meigs County. We've been trying to get the numbers because we know that this shutdown, this isolation, uh, this oppressive type uh, atmosphere with the shutdown is causing people to descend into depression, not only to have economic problems, but also emo mentally and emotional. There was a report out of Meigs County that last week alone they had 12 recorded suicides. That's a rural county. We're trying to get the numbers on some of the urban counties and around the state, and fearfully we think that the uh, suicide rates and the opiate addiction or o overdoses are going to be off the charts, unfortunately, because of this uh, current environment. Your thoughts? I That's exactly my concern. I mean, we're at the beginning. I mean, this is a pandemic. It's a, it's a major problem. People are dying from it. But we also have other ramifications and keeping people at home without, you know, letting them get back to work and using, you know, precautions and, and using social distancing, masks, whatever is needed, is causing mental health problems. And that's going to be a huge burden, especially given the fact that over the last few weeks, 700,000 plus Ohioans have lost their jobs. They're, they're, they're losing their businesses. Uh, this is something where we did this to flatten the curve. We flattened the curve. In fact, the curve never really materialized the way they expected. And so now is the time that we need to go ahead and allow businesses to open back up. And yes, we're going to use precaution. We're going to use, uh, you know, appropriate measures to open up businesses, but they have to be opened up because if they're not, people 
their lives will be ruined. Reading from the article from uh, State Representative uh, Mark Romachuk, his letter, it says, it's hard to believe that it's been just over a month since Governor DeWine declared a state of emergency in Ohio due to the coronavirus. For many people, particularly the small business owners who have closed their doors and their employees who are suddenly out of work, it seems like an eternity. Unquestionably, the health and safety of our friends, family, and neighbors should and is number one priority. But now, as the data begins to show the state's aggressive measures may be paying off, the flattening of the curve continues to believe uh, we should consider slowly reopening our state based on the region's individual situation. Now, you know, the thing about Governor DeWine, we as an organization three weeks ago expressed our concerns because there was calls from some in the media to close down the parks because there have been people witnessed not practicing social distancing. And given everything else, the one thing that people need to be able to do is to go out and relieve, release tension by a walk, a hike, getting some fresh air, taking a bike ride. And so we urged the governor not to do that. Thankfully, he's not, he wasn't tone deaf. He, he heard those concerns. He kept the parks open. We're thankful for that. But here we are three weeks on. And for those people who are not getting a paycheck, for those people who are still having the bills are mounting up and the pressures are mounting up, we need to seek relief for them. And as the good news is, is that the, the uh, curve is flattening in Ohio. The numbers are not, the surge did not materialize as it, w- it was supposed to last week or this week. So I think that's good news. What is the, um, what is the uh, news from Columbus? You were listening to the governor today, uh, Senator. What, what, what did you hear from the conference today? Yeah, there were uh, several things that uh, finally they're talking about it. Um, one of the things that the governor explained is that he wants businesses now to start putting their plans in place so that when we open up, they can do so safely and using the best health practices going forward. Uh, he's planning to announce his uh, draft uh, or final draft of uh, his back to getting back to work uh, for Ohio plan uh, coming up here in the next few days. Um, I, I hope that it includes uh, starting to open things up by May 1st, uh, if not sooner, and um, you know allows businesses the uh, flexibility to open up, but puts the you know appropriate restrictions on so that people are not getting you know put together in, in large groups where they could potentially spread the COVID-19 virus. And uh, that that was a good sign that he mentioned that today. Uh, it sounds like they're also fixing the unemployment website. They're they announced that uh, it was a 30-year-old legacy computer system that was not able to handle the tens and hundreds of thousands of people uh, trying to log on to the system. So they are updating that. It sounds like over the next two weeks that will be completely updated. I would hope, though, that if we can get people to start going back to work at the first of the month, uh, that uh, you know they won't be needing uh, to use the unemployment website. And then uh, lastly, uh, Dr. Acton today also mentioned Uh, the difference between what they were reporting. Uh, I got on uh, a couple of their cases yesterday, and I I sent an email to the governor's liaison last night at about one in the morning uh, because they announced that there were 50 deaths. Well, there were 50 deaths, and it's tragic. Unfortunately, they happened, but those 50 deaths occurred over the last month. They just happened to get the data and report it yesterday. Right, and I'm so, sorry that there's lags in the system, but you know when you have only you know I think yesterday they only had five deaths, yet they reported fifty. 
So, and that's and that scares people. I mean, if people are hearing suddenly that there's 50 deaths in a day, they're thinking it's 50 deaths in that day. They're not realizing that it's 50 deaths over the last uh, uh, month. Well, that's right. To clarify again, yesterday there was a news report that there was Ohio had its uh, most one-day total of deaths, which was inaccurate and 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 not well. Re- it wasn't accurately reported because. It was an accumulative number that ended up being reported yesterday, not that 50 people had died in ICU units or of the COVID-19 virus all in one day. So uh, the totals are up, you know, on their website, the COVID-19 website, which has been helpful uh, for people to be able to follow. The good news is were uh, the projections of where we were going to be uh, with some of the very uh, bleak forecasts did not materialize, and thankfully, uh, maybe some of the measures that the governor and uh, the health director put in place have, have made a major impact. Therefore, since Ohio was first in more than other states, okay, we were first into this quarantine. We're now into our fifth week. Shouldn't we be the leaders coming out of the uh, the closure? Senator, your thoughts? Oh, I absolutely believe so. In fact, I think the governor can set the plans for how other states can do it, and we can do it right now. Uh, the, the numbers are very clear. Even the revised forecast models with uh, social distancing, and they all included social distancing, we are well below those numbers. And the only reason we were doing this initially was to make sure that our hospitals weren't overrun. And when I'm hearing that uh, hospitals are starting to furlough nurses and support staff because they don't have enough to do, that's a problem. And so we need to get the, our elective surgeries back up in certain areas. Now, you know, if there's an area of the state that ends up getting hot again, then, you know, they can go ahead and, and, and try to, uh, you know, put stay-at-home orders for there. But we need to get the state up and going, and we need to do it uh, now because... People are they, they need their paychecks to pay their bills, um, and uh, even though the federal government is sending in some checks, that's not going to be enough to cover uh, the cost of the needs of the citizens of the state of Ohio. We're talking with State uh, Senator Andy Brenner from uh, District 19, just outside north of Columbus in Delaware County. Senator, we thank you for raising your voice, and I know that some of your colleagues are beginning to do the same. Uh, we were wondering where the legislature was in all this, and of course, um, the leaders on this were Governor DeWine, his health director, uh, and from the executive branch, and of course, uh, the federal emergencies as well as each state was declaring an emergency and federal uh, guidelines kicked in as well. The president has indicated that he's willing to open things back up and uh, he's uh, chomping at the bit to do so. Uh, what's your thoughts about that, uh, President Trump then wanting to go forward? Because he also sees that we're making progress. Uh, in fact, the, the article here in Fox News says Trump says decision coming shortly on reopening the economy as task force formed. Your thoughts? I think that he's right. I mean, I think there's parts of the country, as even President Trump mentioned, like New York. It's going to be a while before they open back up. Uh, but states like Ohio, other states where the virus has not uh, really uh, gone into those states, uh, there's no reason that we can't utilize social distancing, use uh, you know proper washing of your hands and face masks, go ahead and open up the economy so that people can earn a living, so that they can pay their bills, stay in their homes. Uh, because if we don't do this, I mean, we're going to have potentially uh, numbers that could make the Great Depression look 
uh, like just a regular recession. And we don't want that. I think we can come out of this. I think we can come out of this uh, strong, like uh, the president says. But we've got to start putting those plans into place and allowing those businesses to open back up. Uh, yes, use appropriate practices uh, to make sure people are safe, but we've got to do it now. I think uh, this is uh, appropriate, especially for the areas in states like Ohio that have done a good job keeping the virus uh, from uh, impacting our healthcare system. Well, again, uh, there has been some winners and losers here, as some businesses were titled essential when others were um, basically marked as non-essential and they had to close uh, by order of the state and now they're into their fifth week and uh, we've had people, business people on this program to talk about what that's going to look like for business. Uh, the report we led with in this segment, Ohio Restaurant Association John Barker mm -hmm. talked about that uh, uh, when things start opening back up, it's going to be difficult and he says that the forecast is a number of businesses will never reopen. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I heard uh, that report. I mean, if I can't imagine 11% of the restaurants just going under uh, right off the bat. And this is if we end this sooner than later. Uh, so, you know, my concern is, is that, you know, we do get out of this, we get through the summer, but then next fall, uh, the, you know, the virus comes back. So we have to have better plans in place to keep our businesses open and yet keep people safe. Uh, we cannot wait a year and a half to two years or longer for uh, for vaccines to come into place. Uh, our economies, uh, it, people's lives will be destroyed if we wait that long. And I think there's a lot of people out there, and I've been getting the posts on my own social media page, and people calling me and emailing me saying, oh, we have to keep the economy closed until, you know, the vaccines are there and, and stuff and or the testing they don't realize how long it's going to take for those things to come online. Because if they did, they would be where I am today, which is we need to cautiously, but we need to get the economy opened up. We need to continue to use uh, common sense practices because if we don't, you're going to hear, I mean, you know, some of the favorite restaurants throughout the state of Ohio, we don't want to lose them. We don't want to lose those small businesses. Um, you know, in my own personal life, my wife's got a real estate company. And uh, even though real estate was deemed essential because people do need to sell their homes, uh, that industry is also kind of uh, on hold because nobody wants to show their homes or let people in their homes because of this. So this is a, a situation where we have to get these, these businesses so that they don't fail and so that uh, people can maintain their livelihoods. The governor also made an announcement on a radio program this morning uh, on our sister station, WHK, that, um, uh, that there was going to be testing next week of a group coming into Ohio to do random testing to see if there was immunities already, meaning people that had already gotten this in some fashion. Uh, and then that was going to be an indication that people have already had it, uh, have already built up immunity to it. That's also going to help, I think, in the storyline as well. I, w I have another thought, too, is that last weekend we had a holiday weekend. Certainly people were gathering, uh, fraternizing together, uh, you know, maybe in violation of the social distancing just because it's a holiday, it's Easter, and obviously people were more crowded into the stores. Senator, if we don't see a bump out of that, uh, we know that will be a real live experiment because we know there was more contact last week with Ohioans. Uh, last weekend. If in the mm -hmm. next five to ten days we don't see another surge, I think we're good to go. Your thoughts? I, I agree, and I, I think that we're we've been good to go. 
uh, based on the numbers uh, that have been coming out of uh, the Department of Health and from our local reporting agencies over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we did have a, a bad period there, but I think things have definitely leveled off and, and are improving. And I think we should uh, get get uh, allow families, allow people to uh, get their businesses open again. Well, one other thing that's happened here with this, it's been almost like a laboratory of liberty, I'd like to call it, because we have seen some very disturbing trends. Given the situation of a pandemic uh, and health orders, not so much in Ohio, but in other places, we've seen the restriction of the First Amendment and of religious expression. We're seeing in Kentucky, our border state to the south, a Democratic governor there, taking draconian measures and saying that on Easter Sunday, if anybody came to a, a service in violation of the uh, uh, gathering, uh, we would take down license plate numbers and track these congregants uh, down there in Mississippi, where a church was each person who came to the the service that said that they were in violation of social distancing received a $500 ticket. Um, you know, the, these kinds of problems have been cropping up all over the country, not so much here in Ohio, but in other places. It's very disturbing. Your thoughts on that, Senator? It's horrible, and they should not be violating our, uh, our constitutional rights, period. I think Governor DeWine has done a very good job at least balancing that. He has announced, you know, he like for Easter Sunday, he said, you know, people, I can't tell you not to do it, or I can, you know, use social distancing, use common sense, um, but I'm not going to put a requirement that you can't go uh, to church. So I, I think it was it was very, uh, very well uh, played out by the governor in that standpoint, as opposed to the governor up in Michigan, where she has just I don't know. I, I, I just I'm I'm stunned by the civil liberties and rights that she is just taking away from the citizens up there. And I you know the protesting that's going on up there is appropriate because uh she has overstepped her bounds uh beyond anything that I I can possibly have imagined. Well and that that, that speaks to the large protests we led led with the program and opening uh the gridlock uh protest in downtown Lansing where this capital is. But in Arizona, the governor there has basically said that they can't use even the drive-in service that many churches here in Ohio are using, staying in your cars and driving to the church but not uh, you know, honoring the social distancing. That governor has basically said that's not appropriate and that's not legal. Well, the churches there are doing civil disobedience this Sunday, and they're all going to gather. Well, you know, Senator, these are the kinds of challenges that we have right now with liberty. And, folks, if you're listening to the program, we need to keep news and focus on the air. We want to thank you for supporting us, and we need your financial support right now. I want to give you the phone number to call. It's 330-887-1922. If you would please uh, call in and talk to one of our staff about making a contribution, you can also visit our website at ohioca.org. There's a donate button right at the top. If you make a contribution of $25 or more, we'll send you out one of Bill Fetter's books, The Rise of Tyrants, America's God and Country, or Miracles in American History, the CDs and uh, the DVDs. And we want to be able to say thank you for your contribution. And uh, again, a gift of $25 or more to keep news and focus on the air. We bring you these relative reports and stories that are crucial to your family and to our communities. Well, stay on the line because we're going to hear from Senator Portman. Uh, this is a, uh, a uh, broadcast we did with him last week to talk to us about the CARES Act and how it will help your family. Senator Brenner, thanks for coming on today. Thank you very much. God bless you, my friend, and thank you for listening.
Again, if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. The coronavirus pandemic certainly has changed our lives, and that includes the way we must now cast our vote. I'm Secretary of State Frank LaRose, and I want you to go to VoteOhio.gov today and learn how to request your vote-by-mail ballot. When you cast your vote, the decisions you make will resonate across your community and beyond. Go to VoteOhio.gov or call 877-SOS-OHIO and learn how to request your vote-by-mail ballot and make sure that your voice is heard. Let your voice be heard. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you're with us during this Holy Week. And as we are on Monday, Thursday, I want to read this verse of Scripture from Luke uh, chapter 18, verse 31. And Jesus speaking to his disciples, then he took, he, he took them, uh, the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished." For he shall be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit upon. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Well, that is the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ and uh, this Christian message. And we hope that you are uh, preparing for this uh, time. And those, uh, of course, who are observing Passover, uh, we ask a blessing upon your homes as well. So uh, with that, uh, as we enter into today's program, we're going to continue our coronavirus health care crisis update. Uh, but today we're going to give you some good news of some relief coming from Washington, of course, with the release recent uh, passage of the CARES Act. And with us is our special guest, U.S. Senator Rob Portman, who can give us a breakdown of what was exactly in the package. Senator, welcome to the program. 
Chris, thanks very much. It's good to be on with you again. Well, thank you, Senator, and thank you for going to bat for Ohioans during this time. And, of course, Governor DeWine and his team have been uh, leading us through this time of uh, lessening the curve as far as the increase of infections in the state of Ohio, uh, hopefully making it less stress on our health care system. And so far, it looks like the numbers are good here in Ohio and that he got out in front of this thing. And so we're making some headway. What's your thoughts about that from uh, Governor DeWine's perspective of what they've been doing on the state level? I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think it's tough, but we did the right things. And Dr. Acton and and Governor DeWine, Lieutenant Governor Houston, um, have been doing these daily press briefings, which are very helpful, talking about how we're doing a better job than other states and kind of spreading out when the peak will be to get our health care system up and going. I had a conference call with health care providers today, hospitals all around the state, and, you know, they're more prepared now than they would have been a couple of weeks ago had we peaked then. And it looks like uh, you know, our peak will, will not be as steep. In other words, it won't be as, as much um, need for the ICU unit, uh, and we won't have the fatalities that uh, hopefully, uh, God willing, other states have had. So, I think we've done some of the right things, and I think it's beginning to pay off. But uh, I also believe we've got to keep at it uh, to to be sure that uh, we do continue on that track. Uh, You mentioned earlier that we're here at a very special time, Holy Week, and tonight is the beginning of Passover, and and this is just a very special time of the year for all of us. We wish we were able to go to our churches uh, on Sunday, certainly, and and Good Friday is a special day, but uh, I'm amazed that what I'm hearing from people about their deepening faith. I had a teletown hall uh, this week, seems like it was a year ago now, uh, where uh, the issue came up again and again. People said, well, God bless you, or, you know, I'm turning to my pastor. A a pastor actually came on and talked about the importance of faith, and I really think people, you know, they're they're obviously upset about what this is doing to their job or their family, and it's a difficult time, but it's also a time to dig deeper. And, uh, as Deuteronomy 31.6 says, which I love, be strong and of good courage. Um, you know, he's not going to fail us. Uh, he's not going to forsake us. And I think that has really been important to people. And so if there's any silver lining in this terrible cloud, because it's been a, a dark, dark time uh, for so many people, it is that I see a deepening of faith. And by the way, some people may be a little tired of hanging out with their family, but I also <laughs> see an increasing appreciation of family, you know, uh, and, and the importance of family. And I think that's that's a something positive also. Well, it is indeed. And so, uh, and of course, family is finding ways through Zoom or conference calls or just messaging each other to make sure and keeping up with each other. I think one of the most difficult things for me personally is my mom is in the nursing home. She has been there for six years. They take great care care of her but we get in to see her a couple times a week and family members come in throughout the week and we haven't been able to do that now for about five weeks because my wife and i had been traveling so we were going to stay away and then comes the lockdown right so and mom's not conducive to be able to to because she has dementia uh when i sit down talk with her and she sees my face then we can converse and so it's that personal contact and i know it's been stressful for a lot of people that way but again it's for their good that uh in her, her facility is in lockdown, but they have no known virus uh, cases there at her facility. Oh, and we're thankful so for that. Yep. That's so great. Yeah. And those healthcare workers, God bless them. I mean, it sounds like they've been using their protective gear and taking care of themselves too, so they can be strong uh, for your mom and, and, and the other residents there. Uh, is this, uh, 
is this Frank Nini's uh, side of the family or, or the other side of the family? Oh, the, no, this is the Irish side. My mom's Irish, and okay. so, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, oh, by the way, the he guy, he called me last week Uncle just Frank. to— Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Senator. Uh, and I'll tell him that you said hello. He's 94 now, and he's calling to check up on me. How about that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What an amazing guy. He is truly the greatest generation. Uh, for those who don't follow uh, uh, Chris's family as closely, Uncle Frank— uh, Got a new Purple Heart with his name engraved on it, um, as well as the World War II Victory Medal uh, in a little ceremony that we had, and some other medals as well. Anyway, he, he's uh, he's a special guy, and again, one of those greatest generation who uh, we're standing on their shoulders, aren't we? We are indeed. And, you know, this is the first time this generation has had this kind of, uh, we've actually never had a pandemic in over 100 years, the 1918 Spanish flu. So this is all new to us as far as distancing and social distancing hasn't happened in our country in a long time. Or where We've had, you know, obviously, you had the polio epidemic, you had tuberculosis, uh, and the sanitariums there actually had a great-grandfather who died of tuberculosis here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, he was an Irish immigrant. Uh, We haven't had those kinds of uh, health issues in this country. We've been blessed. But this is a situation Mm -hmm. where uh, it's been a new challenge for us all. Your thoughts? It sure has, and and it affects everybody, uh, directly or indirectly. We've all got one of my best friends uh, just got tested positive, and uh, he'll make it through. He's strong. But, um, you know, others we, we, we know are not as fortunate, and it's tough. And then the people have lost their jobs, and the businesses you know, what breaks my heart uh, is when I'm on one of these uh, conference calls or town halls and uh, you said you saw our Facebook Live and people call in or write in and say, I've, I built this business myself, you know, in one mm. case, some guy told me 37 years, uh, I've got five employees now and after 37 years, I'm closing my doors. I can't, I can't stay open because I have no revenue and I don't have the cash reserves. And, and you know, he's crying because he's losing his business, but also he feels like these employees are family. So it's tough on a lot of people. And that's what this package that was passed in the Senate and House and the president signed is meant to do, is to provide uh, some rescue, really. I, I don't consider it a stimulus package as much as a rescue package for those who have fallen between the cracks, uh, for those who are in pain and who need some help right now. It's not perfect. It's a huge piece of legislation, over $2 trillion. But I think it is necessary for us to do something right now to help people through this. And with any luck, a couple months from now, we'll be in a very different situation. Well, that's right. And we're talking with Senator Portman, U.S. Senator from Ohio. Uh, Senator, let's talk about the breakdown of the numbers then of the CARES Act and how this will actually help some folks. So families and individuals will be getting a check here in the next couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, there's direct payments uh, going to, to people. This is something that the president felt strongly about, and I think it is important. It's almost like a, a bridge maybe to some of the other programs we'll talk about in a second, just to get some cash into people's pockets because so many people are hurting. Uh, some people have lost their health care, as an example, Chris, and it's you know it's tough to uh, afford COBRA or, 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 or go on the exchanges and get health care even. So this will help them. It's a check of $1,200 for individuals making less than $75,000 per year. Uh, if you make up to $100,000 a year, by the way, you'll get a check, but it'll be less than $1,200. Uh, so it phases out up to 100 If you're a uh, family, if you're a couple, two people filing jointly, it's uh, it's $2,400. So it's twice the 1200 and uh, you can make up to $150,000 a year, so twice for the individual. And for those making up to 200000 they will get something. 
um, not as much as $2,400, but they'll get some some check. And then if you have kids, you get an additional $500 per child, which is something that some of us fought for because it's important to help our families. If we're going to help uh, single folks, we got to help our families, particularly who are having a tough time right now. Uh, many, as you know, are uh, got their kids at home, and if they're they're still in an essential business, how are they going to afford child care is an example. So roughly, family of four, that's $3,400. And that $3,400 should be coming soon. Uh, you know, the federal government's never very good at uh, uh, getting things out, out the door efficiently. But in this case, I do think with probably um, anybody who's filed their taxes in 2018 or 2019 should get a payment, uh, and it will go right into your account. In other words, if you're on direct deposit with the IRS, uh, say, you know, the way you get your refund, and because you filed a tax taxes in 2018 or 2019, the IRS has that information. That's where it should arrive. You don't need to do anything. Right. If you don't receive it, then there's probably a reason, and then let us know. Uh, I'll, I'll give this out later as well, but portman.senate.gov is our website. Feel free to let us know. or let I'm sure Chris would be happy to help you and contact us, but the idea is that if you filed taxes in 2018 or 2019, you should get this uh, in the next week and a half or so. Some people are on Social Security and are concerned. Uh, we had an AERP uh, town hall meeting recently that uh, people thought that they weren't going to, going to get it. There was a rumor out there if you're on Social Security, you wouldn't get it. That's not true. And even if you don't have any income, so you haven't filed income taxes, you still will get it. I think it's going to take longer. So instead of a week and a half, I would say give that two or three weeks. Uh, before you get nervous about not having the check, because it will probably have to be done through a, a paper check uh, and probably through the Social Security Administration. The IRS has told us they're working with Social Security now, and they will be included in this rebate program. So that's that's an important thing, I think, for a lot of families right now to know that that's on its way. Absolutely, and that's going to be good news for a lot of folks. Uh, and it will help stimulate the economy as well, of course. And for most folks, it will help them to pay some bills if they've been, uh, you know, if their hours have been lessened or they've been unemployed. Senator, let's move on yep. to uh, small business. There is help for small business in this package as well. Now, I'm reading one note here. Is it true? Let's see, $4.5 billion aid to Ohio. Is that right in a breakdown, or how does that work? Yeah, I think that is more uh, of the... Uh, funding is going to go to state government and state local government. But for Ohio, we will get our share of what is now $350 billion that's going out uh, from the SBA through your lender, whoever it is. It could be a credit union. It could be a big bank, uh, you know, like Bank of America. Or it could be a little community bank in your community uh, or even a savings and loan. Uh, go to them, uh, get an application, and if you are a small business person, um, you will be able to apply. You have to show you're affected uh, by the coronavirus, uh, which, of course, many small businesses are. Think of a restaurant or, or a bowling alley or a theater. Uh, and then you are able to get a loan through your bank that is 100% guaranteed by the federal government. And that loan converts essentially into a grant to you if you use it to keep people on, if you use it for payroll. You can also use 25% of it to pay your rent, pay your mortgage, or to pay your utilities. But it's really, uh, it's called the Paycheck Protection program. It's really to keep people working. And um, so instead of people going on unemployment insurance, you want to keep people with these small businesses. One of the things that uh, I fought for in this, Chris, was to be sure that our nonprofits could access this program, and in particular, that our churches could access this program. Because I was hearing from a lot of churches that were really suffering, and a lot of nonprofits as well. Yes. Contributions are down. 
and yet they're still providing the same, and in some cases even more services, uh, given the, the the crisis. So you should know that they are included. And um, I know you have been very active in this, Chris, to be sure that our faith-based groups are properly treated here. I would encourage people who are interested but maybe a little skeptical uh, in the faith community to go on sba.gov and look for the document that the SBA has out there that explains that if you participate in this program uh, as a church or a synagogue um, or a, uh, you know, a temple, you are not going to have to change your mission. You are not going to have to change your hiring practices. You're not going to have to change anything as, as to what is important to you and your, and your faith-based group. That's important because I was hearing from a lot of individuals saying, gosh, I hate to, I've never been in a government program before ever. I don't want to get into a government program. I don't want to have the government tell me, uh, you know, what I can do and, and change my mission. So it's very explicit. Yes, churches are eligible, and no, they don't have to change their mission. Very good. The um, help to small business and these loans here, because we're, we're hearing that, of course, uh, I've heard numbers that uh, 70% of small business employees, 70% of the people that are employed across the country. So small business is huge. And uh, like you yep. said, there's a lot of pride that goes into a small business. Your own family has a small business, a restaurant, if I'm not mistaken, down there in uh, Cincinnati. So you understand the, the principle of small business. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, that's my biggest concern in terms of the, the economy is that so many of these small businesses, uh, you mentioned restaurants or bars, um, uh, movie theaters, uh, bowling alleys, as I said, uh, you know, they were shut down in essence uh, by a government action, which I think was necessary, unfortunately, because if we had not done that, I think we wouldn't be seeing uh, this, you know, relatively good smoothing of this curve, as they talk about. In other words, fewer people going to the hospital, fewer in the ICU, fewer deaths. But boy, it's tough on these small businesses. And it just, again, breaks my heart when I hear some of these stories of businesses that uh, have had to let people go and close their doors. So the idea is to give them a little breathing room here. It's a two-month program. It gets them through this period. Uh, The loan is forgiven if they use it, again, for payroll or, or rent or mortgage or utilities. And it enables them to basically just keep their doors open. Uh, and again, you know, we all hope that a couple months from now, this will be very different, that you'll begin to see people coming back. Uh, think of a retail establishment. I heard today from a friend of mine who, who has a little company uh, where, you know, he, he sells stuff uh, uh, in, in Waynesville, Ohio. And, uh, you know, he's a retailer and his business has just been devastated. And he built it himself. And I want to be sure that he's able at least to keep the doors open and keep some employees able to be ready. When the economy begins to pick up, he won't be in bankruptcy. He instead will be able to take advantage of that and get back uh, on on track and, and get his people back to work. That's right. And what I encourage you folks as well is that when things do start opening up, do patronize local business and, and buy American, you know, actually start looking yeah. at the label here and uh, because you're helping American business that way and you're helping that local, um, you know, retailer or that uh, local eatery. And so support them with the, the, you know, the funding that you get when you go out. And, and I think that's how this goodwill is going to be able to be spread with the relief coming from the CARES Act. Senator, your thoughts? I think you're absolutely right. I think we see it already with people who are being helpful. I, I have seen a lot of people, for instance, go to the takeout and, and leave a nice tip, you know, because they, they're, they're trying to ensure that these businesses can, can at least keep their doors open. Uh, we've also seen just 
uh, amazing acts of courage by our healthcare workers on the front line, our EMS personnel. I mean, Chris, I know you uh, you know some of those guys and, and women who uh, they're going into people's houses and taking sick people out and taking them to the hospital when they really need help uh, with great risk to themselves, and they're still in there doing it. And uh, we've got to get them, obviously, the protective equipment that they need, the protective gear. That's part of this legislation. That's not happening as quickly as I would like. Uh, and we've got to be sure that, you know, to the extent possible, um, you know, we are providing that kind of protective gear to everybody who interacts. So if you work in a grocery store, um, you know, you're doing your part. Stay in that grocery store. We, we need you, but wear protective gear and, and use the, the hand sanitizer and, you know, be, be careful, social distancing. But those people are, are, are the heroes here and, you know, the people that are delivering our mail, uh, the truck drivers, uh, the people who are every day out there, you know, trying to ensure that to the extent uh, uh, seniors need help, that, you know, they're getting it. I have a friend in our neighborhood who's doing shopping for the seniors in our neighborhood so they don't have to go out because they're more vulnerable. So these are some of the wonderful examples we are seeing of people stepping up and taking on these these roles and you know showing that in a crisis like this we can come together as a country. The coronavirus pandemic certainly has changed our lives and that includes the way we must now cast our vote. I'm Secretary of State Frank LaRose and I want you to go to voteohio.gov today and learn how to request your vote by mail ballot. When you cast your vote, the decisions you make will resonate across your community and beyond. Go to voteohio.gov or call 877-SOS-OHIO and learn how to request your vote by mail ballot and make sure that your voice is heard. Let your voice be heard. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Senator, now here in Ohio, of course, we're into our fourth week of uh, shutdown. Now in uh, other parts of the country, they lag behind us. Uh, We've been in a longer period of shutdown. Some would argue that uh, Ohio was in front of everybody, and that's why we're seeing better numbers as far as uh, fewer cases of actually confirmed coronavirus uh, sufferers. But that in hospitalizations. But with that said, the way back, people have been asking, how do we open this back up again? The president set a date of May 1st. Governor may be, uh, you know, he's been uh, talking about that number as well. How do you envision this uh, uh, unfolding as we move towards May 1st now of opening things back up again? That's a great question. And I just got off a phone call with uh, a number of colleagues, um, Republican colleagues, and and we talked about that very issue. And and I made the point that uh, uh, I have been talking about for a while, which is the importance of testing. Chris, in my view, it's much better for us to focus on the healthcare uh, side here, like a laser to solve the healthcare crisis, 
um, because we can't provide enough funding. And by the way, a lot of this money, of course, is being borrowed. Uh, the federal government's in a, in a deficit situation, and yet we're pumping out over $2 trillion here, which was necessary. But much better to get the health care crisis under control. Until we do that, these hospitals are not going to be able to do elective surgery, which is where they make their money. I just found a bunch of rural hospitals today that are really hurting. Uh, these We talked about the bars and the restaurants and the and the movie theaters and so on there, and we get going back for the retail shops until we give people the comfort to know that it's safe. Uh, parents are not going to be comfortable sending their kids back to school until they know that. And I think the testing is the most important single thing. Um, so we've got to provide more tests. We've got to provide tests to people who are uh, asymptomatic, in my view, not just those who have severe symptoms, which is pretty much what it is in a lot of parts of Ohio right now. You can't get a test unless you're, you're really ill. We should provide much broader testing, and we should provide that number every day to everybody. This is what's called a reportable disease. So in theory, every time someone is tested, that number should go up to Washington. The CDC should be telling us, okay, we're getting better. We're getting worse. Ohio should know that. We're getting better. When people see that, that there are fewer cases every day and adequate testing so that it's a meaningful number, that will make a big difference in terms of, one, the health care of our community, because then you can do contact tracing, be sure you're isolating people and dealing with the healthcare side of it. But second, to give us some metric, some measurement where we know what is happening. I don't think a, a politician like myself is the appropriate person to say, we're going to open this day or that day. I think you want to hear it from the professionals and you want to hear it in terms of a data that's actually uh, in, and something that people can rely on. So I think that's really important. The other kind of testing that's coming on now uh, in Ohio and around the country um, is the antibody test. That's also very important. Um, they call this the seriology test. And basically what it is, is it's a pinprick. Uh, it takes 20 minutes to get the result. So it's a relatively inexpensive, quick, easy test. Uh, it's, a, it's a blood test. And uh, if in 20 minutes, I'm told 15 to 20 minutes, actually, you can get the results, you know whether you have the antibody. That will also help. Yes. So I think the testing is important in both Knowing, you know, who has it, who doesn't, knowing when we begin to see fewer uh, cases every day and people know, OK, it's it's getting better now. And then eventually it's safe to get, get back into into our, our normal lives. But second, to know if you have this antibody, people will be much more confident to know that they can be out there. And, and I hope some of those people will will be out there in the front lines uh, because they will be able to do that. And then the final thing I'll say is we're going to have to work a little differently, uh, at least during an interim period where we we're just more careful and uh, show more social distancing and, and use the hand sanitizer more and uh, you know, do all the things that we're expected to do. Well, that's right. And I think people have been practicing it. So <laughs> I think that's what's going to be the norm going forward. Senator, thank Absolutely. you so much for what you're doing for Ohioans. And uh, thank you for your work on the CARES Act as well. And uh, we appreciate that. And I know that many people will benefit from it. Again, the website so folks can find thank out you. more information. Your website? website is portman.senate.gov. Portman if you go on and, and portman.senate.gov slash services slash coronavirus, you'll get right into our updates on the coronavirus. If you want to call instead, 1-800-205-6446. That's 1-800-205-OHIO-6446. And thank you very much, Chris, for having me on. And more importantly, what you're doing every day to get the message out. Uh, to the Ohio Christian Alliance members and to all your listeners. Thank you. God bless you, Senator. Happy Easter. God bless you. Thank you.
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.